welcome to the Blue and White Brothers, the podcast all about Penn State football. Conversation and commentary from a fan perspective. I'm Tom Gaffman. And I'm Andy Gaffman. And we are the Blue and White Brothers. Two brothers, two takes, one team. Andy! Yeah! I have one question for you. Okay, I'm ready. Are you ready <laughs> yes. for Penn State football? Oh, man, I am ready. I'm ready. It's it's West Virginia week, man. It's first game week. It is oh, 2023 gosh. season opening. We have been waiting in the cold, dark months of, of the offseason for this day, this week. Uh, this it's game. not been really cold or dark recently. Just but. shut up. <laughs> All right. <laughs> I, you know, you get what I'm saying. It's the cold. It's it's a it's an yes. analogy for what okay. it's like to be a, a college football fan in the off season. It's cold. It's very and literary. It's dark. Thanks, man. <laughs> um, Tom, what you been up to? Um, I, I'm, I'm still just trying to figure out my whole life and how to, you know, grow my facial hair out even stronger. <laughs> um, <laughs> no, but that, my, my life's just crazy. There's no point in trying to check in where I am, where I am and where I be is inconsequential. All I care about is Penn State football. But if you want to tell me about where you are and what you've been doing, I know that you just had a crazy little weekend of your own. I sure did. I actually not of your own, of your family. Yeah. It was, um, a monumental milestone for my family, uh, dropped off uh, my son Juan, and he's our oldest. Are there milestones that are not monumental? Okay, sorry. Oh, uh, wow. Way to... <laughs> <laughs> Way to just deflate the, the air out of that We'll balloon. reinflate it, Andy. Deflate gate. Let's go. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, we dropped off Juan at, at college, uh, Roanoke College down in uh, southwestern Virginia. We had really had a great, um, great... Uh, overnight with him. He's all settled in, um, got him all of our uh, streaming, you know, login credentials. So he's basically set for for college. Well, so it's your first time um, being on that side of the aisle of, you know, sending a kid off to to college. I was there when we sent you off to college for the first time. So Angelina was playing that role for her older brother. Yeah. Um, yeah. But but you were the first in our family to go off to college, and here Juan is the first to go off to college in your family. Um, so what's what was it like as a as a dad watching that moment happen? You know, um, there were there were tears shed. I won't say by whom. You will. Uh, I ask. I want to know. <laughs> It was I not know. me. It was Eileen. It was, I- <laughs> <laughs> it was I- and Angelina. Oh, interesting. Uh, yeah, it was emotional. Um, yeah, of course. You know, he he will be missed. He's he's a, a, a fun part of our family, yeah. and he he's. Um, but he's ready, you know. I don't think any of those tears were, uh, you know, like we're we're scared for you. It was like we're gonna miss you. Um, new season of life here in our family, uh, having one of our kids who, who's been you know, a big part of the life of our family, you know, in terms of the daily grind of the family for 18 years, um, you know, it's different now. Yeah. I mean, the same can be said for you when you went off to college. It was like, you know, the the house dynamic was changing, you know, and the oldest brother was leaving. It was certainly, I don't think certainly I an, called, an adjustment. I don't think I called home for like a whole month. <laughs> you know, right, right. Was, well, we also replaced you with a dog, so that's you know, true. feelings it's mutual. True. <laughs> 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 but 
but hey, uh, we're not here to talk about um, my family's uh, trials and and tribulations. Uh, but um, actually, it's 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 a great new season. We're all looking forward to it. There were tears, but I think there are also going to be some cheers in our family as we enjoy this next uh, new season of life. Um, but um, we're here to talk about Penn State football. Uh, we have our final preseason episode. Um, we're going to have a, a follow-up episode after this one this week uh, to talk about West Virginia. But today, we're just recapping Penn State football's preseason, our final thoughts on the team as we get ready to uh, to launch into our I, you know, I think a very exciting, possibly 2023 season. Here's what we've got coming up. We've got um, some news and notes. Uh, we actually had some football this weekend, and we're going to have some sort of final little notes uh, as we head into the season. Um, we're going to talk most of the podcast about just you know our final thoughts after we've looked at all of the um, details about what this Penn State brings to the table. You know, what are we hoping for and expecting? And then we're going to close up with uh, a special by the numbers with Joel Bettner. We're going to be looking at some expectations and predictions for the season, finishing up with our season prediction. Um, hey, before we get into it, don't forget to subscribe. Don't forget to share this podcast with your Penn State friends. Please write a review. You know, the last review, bro, we have on our um, Apple podcast. It's 18 it, years ago. <laughs> it's from a year ago, actually. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So I, I challenge you, if you're a listener who likes this show, just write a write a review. It can be funny. It can be um, serious. It can be whatever you want. Um, it just has to be five-star or we will find you. <laughs> We'll find you. <laughs> way to threaten our listeners. That's a that, that's very... a great way to to prompt <laughs> engagement. <laughs> okay, fine. I will find you. All right. Andy will not. I'll will let it pass. You. But anyway, um, and then finally, want to uh, invite you to send us an email um, for the mail <laughs> for the mailbag. We I do have, have a mailbag of skills. <laughs> Sorry, uh, we do have a mailbag this week. Uh, it's going to be on on our next episode. Um, and so, if you'd like to uh, send us a, a comment by email, that's Blue and White Brothers at gmail.com. All right, so let's get into it. Uh, we're going to hop into our news and notes. News and notes. All right, we're going to start with some uh, Penn State news, uh, just a couple of interesting tidbits that have come across the wire. Um, bro, you let me know that there's a new series that's uh, being put out by Penn State football. They're calling it Football Fridays before each home game. What do you know about that? I don't know a ton. All I know is uh, that this week, this Friday, every and, and apparently every sub, sub, subsequent Friday for the rest of the season, as far as I'm uh, as far as we are aware, um, there will be a guest speaker to like drum up some excitement um, and happy Valley. And, and this week uh, is going to be our, our old pal, Todd Blackledge, who's on the call for the game for NBC. He's their lead dog uh, over there as a color commentator. Um, and uh, obviously he's a Penn state first national championship winning quarterback under Joe Paterno back in 1982 season. So he's leading it off th this, this week, this year um, for an, a new Friday um, festivities for Penn state football. And we'll see what happens for the Fridays for the rest of the season. But basically, Every home, I actually, I'm not sure if it's every home Friday 
home game Friday, which would make sense, but um, it could be uh, potentially every Friday. I'm not I'm not clear on that, but something something new is happening in the valley that we'll find out how that how that shakes out and and how that, that you know juices the fans and galvanizes the team before the before Saturday's kickoff. Yeah, it should be a fun new tradition. Um, another quick uh, hitter, um, Sean Clifford, our favorite previous Penn State quarterback of the last four years uh, just secured the six years <laughs> right good point uh, just secured <laughs> just secured the Green Bay Packers backup quarterback role how about that that's pretty amazing actually I I, I know that not every Packers fans super delighted by their fifth round or you know a lot of people didn't think a fifth round draft pick was worth you know Sean Clifford <laughs> you know so um I, you know, as a Penn State fan, super, you know, pumped for him, super excited for him. It's definitely like, you know, another notch on, you know, Franklin and the staff's belt to send a, you know, all, all the last four uh, quarterbacks to play under Franklin all have been drafted. So that's, you know, Trace McSorley, Tommy Stevens, Will Levis, and now Sean Clifford. All those guys have been drafted. Yeah, so. pretty, pretty impressive. Um, congratulations to Sean. And- and for what it's worth, all of them were like they have outperformed their um, recruiting ranking in college, and you know, um, you know, by being drafted, you certainly have outperformed in any um, three or four star ranking for sure. For, I think Clifford was like you know maybe like a twentieth ranked quarterback in the draft class, and to, and then he was the eleventh, the tenth or eleventh quarterback taken in the draft. So. You know, Franklin has been squeezing the most out of these quarterbacks at Penn State, and that's that's great for Penn State moving forward, especially knowing that we have a five-star, and we want to see what Franklin can squeeze out of a five-star compared to these three- and four-stars. Yeah, I'll say. Um, uh, moving on, uh, Nick Singleton signed a pretty big NIL deal with Beats by Dre. Um, we've been talking a little bit about just how NIL is shaping college football, and that's a pretty big um you know, a pretty big headline in terms of how NIL is affecting uh, Penn State. Um, that particular campaign, the Beats by Dre campaign, is is pretty star-studded when it comes to, um, you know, athletes uh, who, who are, you know, going to get some additional notoriety. Nick Singleton's going to be one of them. Yeah, that's pretty amazing. Um, I mean, the it, the star studdedness is, you know, they're mostly quarterbacks, by the way. I think there's, I think there's maybe a maybe two other running backs that were chosen but in the ad that I saw at least the one that Nick Singleton posted um, Nick Singleton was featured quite a bit as far as a running back goes uh, in that um, uh, little advertisement by for Beats by Dre but uh, you know this is this is a big deal for Penn State moving forward for sure with, with our, our star studded um, roster having opportunities for a major brand like this 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 could open up doors for for you know future um deals and it could open up doors for future recruits too yeah sure doesn't hurt uh in that regard all right um kind of a less than good news on the penn state headlines um penn state uh was recently uh found to have uh very poor results in the academic rankings um, when it comes to how the football team has fared compared to their Big Ten P5 
peers in terms of academics and what they're, you know, I'm not quite sure how the scoring works, but effectively they're at the very bottom of the Big Ten in terms of their academic results. And um, that's a little bit alarming when it comes to, you know, what I remember Penn State being, you know, really at the top of the academic rankings and the fact that we've fallen quite a bit over the last few years is not something that I feel very good about. Uh, what, what are your reactions to that, bro? Um, so it was the lowest in the last 10 years, this, this academic progress rate, um, that's, that's, and it was the the lowest academic progress rate in the big 10. Um, this is the second lowest score average over the last four years. And it's, it's basically a key metric for the NCAA. Uh, I personally don't completely understand it from like how, how, like it's not the only metric to, to like judge your teams academics by it's not the yeah, only like one graduation but it is, rate for example yeah you know, so i think one. a graduation rate is probably more uh, important to me as a penn state fan probably um just because we can quantify that more easily than this progress academic progress rate um so i'm not gonna like i'm certainly not gonna make the biggest deal in the world about it having you know not a full full uh, you know understanding of of what it really means to have this low of a progress report um but you know, it, it's concerning in the sense that, like, yeah, to be last in the Big Ten and anything is not a good thing. <laughs> you know, you know, you don't want to be last in a, in a metric for, um, you know, judging academics. Like that, that's certainly never a good thing. So, but my my the one thing that I do know is that I don't think Franklin is necessarily doing something wrong. I think it. I think it's probably. Um, something that he has a ton of control over because he is very adamant about getting his players to class and his players getting good grades and, and, and all that kind of stuff. So um, it's not for something that, that Franklin's doing. I, I think it's, it's something that like will work its way out. Um, and maybe this new president has a, can uh, play a role in that. Maybe she, um, Neely Benaputi, uh, maybe she will have some um, answers and solutions to, to correcting this moving forward. This is her first full year as, as president. So we'll see if that, that can change in the, in the coming years. Yeah. So um, definitely not something we want to see continue to be uh, an ongoing issue. Hopefully it gets turned around and uh, Penn State can continue to have a really good academic reputation with their athletes. And just for everyone's awareness, back in the 2018 and 2019 season, Penn State apparently had a perfect mark of 1,000. Yeah, so it, within the recent history, Penn State's done a lot better. Yeah, um, so, who knows? So what, like Franklin is has a terrible track record for this. Right, he just it, we have a lull going, and on. who knows what you know? COVID did to, to all of that as well. So um, anyway, it's something to keep an eye on. Uh, last thing we'll just say about uh, some Penn State uh, news and notes is just that um, there are a couple of guys that have been making some of the preseason awards. Um, the the All American first team. Um, has Alu Fashanu and Kalen King as uh, on the preseason first team, and then Nick Singleton and Chop Robinson on the second team. Just uh, some recognition of the you know national talent that we have um, on this team with those four guys. Yeah, um, I think by the end of the season, obviously that's the measure of all Americans that everyone thinks about and talks about so this is just something to talk about only in the preseason come you know week five come week 10 like this will take shape in a totally different way and we might see that we have 
you know, Nick Singleton and um, uh, Chop Robinson as first team All Americans, or maybe you know anything can happen. Maybe maybe Kalen King uh, is a second team All American. You you never you never know how these things are going to shake out. Um, but it certainly is great to see that we have first team All Americans preseason dudes that are like expected to be the best at their position across all of college football. That's great, great to see, great to know. It certainly um, makes you feel better about uh, having having a top ten ranking when you actually have the dudes to back it up. Okay, switching to um, some national news and notes, bro, we actually had college football this past weekend. Uh, I don't know if you actually got to catch any of the games, but I have some headlines for you, all right? And we're going, now, I don't know if you remember this. Uh Uh-oh. We tried 10 second takes last Uh, year. uh Uh-oh. Can you give me- My tail's wagging. (laughs) (laughs) 10 minute top coming in hot. Okay. <laughs> Can you give me just your very <laughs> brief take on these headlines uh, for these two significant results in the top brief, 25? Brief for an <laughs> ent. <laughs> yes. A very good point. No, no, no. Brief for a hobbit. Uh, uh, oh, okay. No. Anyway, um, so uh, here's your first one. Uh, Sam Hartman impresses in his Notre Dame debut with four touchdowns as the number 13 Irish Swamp Navy in the Emerald Isle, 42 to 3. Navy had a first time, uh, first year head coach. Uh, the only thing impressive about passing all over the field for Sam Hartman was that he looked incredible doing it with that hair of his. <laughs> all right. <laughs> Next. <laughs> uh, great. Um, number six, USC shrugs off a slow start against San Jose State as the Trojans routed the Spartans 56 to 28. Uh, San Jose State's um, like basically a nobody this is a t- game they should have once like handily the entire time their defense still needs work we'll see how the defense shakes out uh the offense is going to be elite the rest of the season for sure all right um well there you have your scoreboard um just a couple of other kind of tidbits going around um the national news uh right here in the big 10 we got some interesting little things developing uh we talked previously about michigan and john harbaugh and possible penalties well apparently after the ncaa said no we want to we want to go through a a formal review process uh, michigan say actually um, we're just gonna self-impose a three-game penalty on John Harbaugh, which is interesting because the original proposal was a four-game penalty, and Michigan said, we're going to do it this year instead of waiting until next year. It feels really, really weird, and this isn't over, I think. We could spend a lot of time on Harbaugh and <laughs> Let's Michigan. Not. Uh, Let's not. <laughs> but here's what I'll say. Here's what I'll say about this. It, it is a very intriguing... Um, it, it's intriguing what Michigan has decided to do here. Um, they basically have said... We don't. We we will impose the ban and ho- and cross our fingers and hope and pray that there's nothing more that comes from this because the NCAA rejected a four game suspension because of I, my my um, elite. Um, you know, as I yeah, I can see through all the, the the baloney and 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 see what the NCAA is trying to do <laughs> and and basically they want Harbaugh to admit his wrongdoing and he will not do it. And that's why they're like, all right, fine. You 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 want to admit to it? Then the fourth game suspension's off the table. But here's Michigan, like, uh, then we'll do a three game suspension, self imposed ban, and that'll be good enough. And and it to me, it's just this reeks of just Harbaugh's stubbornness, and it, it just it's like it's just vintage Harbaugh essentially. Now here's what here's what's interesting about this is next year. 
Michigan plays Texas the second week of this season. That'll be Arch Manning's first game as a quarterback. The, oh boy. the all the all world, you know, recruit the the Manning um, family name. You know, this is this is everybody's waiting to see Arch Manning do something, and it could be against Michigan next year, week two. So the question is. The NCAA it takes so long to like make decisions. Are they going to wait till the beginning of next season to impose more, or is this? Or is and by the way, is Harbaugh going to leave because he's fed up with the NCAA at the end of this season after he, quote unquote, has his swan song and rides off into the sunset with what people believe is a national title this season? I think that this is just a muddled mess. And here's one thing that you know we always talk about. Um, Franklin winning the offseason. Michigan has not won the offseason from a like being in the press negatively standpoint. You know what I mean? So at at the very least, Franklin and his team has been able to focus on his team, football, and everybody being available. Where here you have Harbaugh is not even going to be around for the first three games during the game. Sharon Moore, their um, offensive coordinator, is suspended for game one as well. It's just like th- their continuity oh, is. And by the way, did you see that he brought in his dad? Oh, yeah. Be- as an assistant coach, 84 year old Jack Harbaugh is a- assistant, uh, head co- assistant head coach on game day while he's gone. <laughs> Uh, this is all kinds of weird. Um, it's beyond all kinds of weird. He, Harbaugh is like, he operates under like the guise of like, he can do whatever the heck he wants at all times, no matter if it's the NCAA or Michigan, you know, tell him, telling him otherwise, he'll do whatever he wants. So much it's for insane. not talking about it all that much. But this is the guy who had that is a me sleepover. cutting it short. <laughs> this is a guy who had a sleepover with one of his top recruits, you know, yeah, I, he took He took that recruit from us, by the way, that was, he was going to commit to Penn state. Um, so, uh, yeah, I mean, it has has a little bit of, um, you know, flavors of of Pete Carroll and USC when things got wonky. He's like, eh, let's now let's go to the NFL and not deal with the blowback. But um, I I don't know. It could be could be very very interesting. I don't know that we'll hear much more about it um, this year. But yeah, Harbaugh will be off the sideline for at least the first three games, self imposed. We'll see what comes of it. Um, Last last thing, just about the the Big Ten. Um, There's another scandal that's been sort of brewing. We already talked about Northwestern. You have the Michigan thing. And now you've got Iowa and the betting scandal. Um, athletes all up and down the different teams in Iowa um, have have been kind of swept up in this uh, dragnet of, of uh, athletes who bet on their own team, um, including uh, their starting defensive tackle, uh, who's going to be suspended for the season. Um so that's another thing to keep in mind, just particularly as uh, the sort of new landscape of NIL and sports betting and college football take shape. Um, it's not as smooth as you, you know, they'd like to portray it. Yeah, I got nothing to say about it, really. Just it's Iowa can't be the only state that this is happening with. These can't be yeah. the only universities this is happening with. It's definitely, I don't know why Iowa is under the the, the microscope. It's a state investigation like that. Yeah, I get it. You know, but, but how state, come there's 49 other states and no other states have are are even remotely in I this realm? I mean, it's realm. the attorney general's prerogative of what they're going to look into. I think what's what people are going to ask now is like, will this investigation in Iowa prompt others? And that, you, it, precisely, no listen, doubt. There are other. This is happening at other universities, I'm maybe sure. all, and maybe all of them. And the question is, could this become a huge rippling scandal across college football over the next year or two? College quite, football has a possibly. college football problem. Let's put it that way. Like, yeah, like there's just like the way the NCAA runs things is. You talk like, about you know culture problems in individual programs. It's like there's a cultural problem 
in major college football. Well, un- and also the way the NCAA goes about like dealing out punishment is they pick and choose, and there's no consistency, and it's just like, like the UNC academic scandal, the, the Louisville basketball scandal. Like they didn't even get punished for any of that stuff. Yeah, and and Harbaugh is getting the the sh- the, the raw end of the deal. Uh, in a lot of ways here, comparatively speaking, um, and, and Jim Tressel got the short end of this. You know, things that that you know uh, were pro- were a problem like 10, 20 years ago that are no longer like you know NIL is not a problem, paying players is not a problem, um, but like getting tattoos back then was a problem, but they wouldn't be viewed as one now. Like the archaic ways of the NCAA operating are just like, it's slow and it's just, it's a bad look at all times. And somehow it always feels like big 10 schools get the short, the raw end of the deal compared to other conference schools. Just saying. Yeah. It's a, it's a Iowa, Michigan, Penn yeah, state, yeah, Ohio definitely, state. Definitely. Like you don't Com- see, you don't see these sec schools getting hammered with anything. You don't see sec schools getting hammered with anything. It's just kind of strange. Totally. Um, well, um, one, one last bit of news, uh, major college football news, of course, for the last year has been realignment and, um, I, nothing definitive has happened, but Cal and Stanford, along with SMU, are are being talked about in some fairly significant ways. M- moving to the ACC, apparently that was that was closed and then reopened. I haven't seen anything definitive, but um, and, and I think there's also been talk of Oregon State and Washington. Washington State, um, possibly kind of finding a home somewhere in the Mountain West, maybe. The Big 12 has come back into the picture, I think, for uh, Cal and Stanford. And so, and and for Oregon State and Washington right, State right. as well. Like, so, there's so a lot resh- of uncertainty. This reshuffling with the demise of the Pac-12, um, it, it isn't over. There's nothing definitive yet. But those four teams, um, they're looking for a landing spot. Uh, it's just not great. Yeah. It's... it's <laughs> I just don't know how I how when is it going to stop? Is there ever going to be such a thing as stability? What like what what what's the future? What what does this what does college football look like in twenty years? Because you really just feel like these people that are in charge of making decisions who Josh Pate <laughs> likes to say are very average leaders, very average people making very big time decisions, and it's all just like. A consolidation of powers to be able to make money at a high level in in the executives of these, um, you know, whether it's the conferences or whether it's these um, TV uh, companies, the people that are not making nearly as much money as these guys, uh, they're the ones that are getting the the raw end of that deal as well. And we just as viewers have to sit here and watch it happen because we can't. The only way we can vote is by turning the TV off. And does anybody want to stop watching their team? No, no one wants to stop watching their team to, to make a point. Like, we're not going on strike, really. Like, we want to watch football. And I wish they would just get to the point where we can just play it the way it's it's going to be when the dust settles. That's yeah. what I... I mean, we were talking about this earlier when we were, uh, you know, putting the outline together. And, and you had the question of, of what's the end game for the Big Ten? Like, is there a is there a number of teams that we say, oh, uh, is this it is 32? Our- is it 24? 
Like, right. what are like, we looking at? And, and, you know, my response to you is like, it's, it's literally just seems like it's defensive. It's reactive entirely. And the only point is to not fall behind. So like, as soon as the SEC or another, you know, uh, conference threatens to like increase their dominance, the big 10 has to make some counter move to make sure that they don't fall back. And it, it well, almost, it's almost is, like the big 10 is overcorrecting on just the, the recent two members of the big 12, Texas and Oklahoma coming over. And then since then, it seems like the big 10 is like, you know, lost their heads. Uh, comparatively speaking, the SEC's just been sitting around waiting or and not making any moves, but like we're now on our third, um, commissioner since 2019 here in, in the Big Ten, by the way. And these new com- these new new commissioners after um, Warren has gone on um, to back to sh- you know to the Chicago to the NFL ranks. It's like this new guy Tony Petiti, who I don't know a ton. Of, I don't know enough about personally. We don't know enough about him personally. But he comes from a long line of of, of you know TV alignment. Uh, yeah, and again, it shows what the real value is in these conference administrators and the conference boards and whoever is running the show is here. All they care about is the TV deals, and they right. got to find someone to get a good TV deal. But who's who's actually asking whether this is good for college football, whether this is good for these teams, whether it's good um, for women's field hockey, whether uh, it's truly, good for men's truly. volleyball. So know. it's it's to me, it's less about a pod- positive vision for college sports, less about a positive vision for the conference. It's it's more about just not losing. And it's almost like the Cold War, you know, like it's like we're in an arms race. And the only point is to make sure that the other side doesn't destroy you. But you know what happened in the Cold War? And like, by the way, really glad the United States won the Cold War. Like, I would not want to be speaking Russian or living in a communist country. So, yeah, you know, in the geopolitical scale, maybe there's a good rationale for that. Did but, we you know, win? Was there a winner? I mean, I, that's a great question. <laughs> like, like we, didn't, we didn't lose from a speaking Russian standpoint, right. but what was the cost and what was the what did we walk away with? Yeah, well, and the, the other thing I was going to say is you look at all the collateral damage. Like, look in Southeast Asia, look in Africa, look in Central America, and all the countries that were swept up. And, like, the two superpowers didn't care at all about what happened to the citizens and those countries. And then we we made a mess of things. And so did, you know, Russia made a mess of things. And and that seems to be what's a very similar kind of thing is happening. Obviously, the stakes are a lot, lot lower, which makes it all the more maddening. You know, we're literally chasing money you know the you know the, the long-term value of what is is going on here like we're just potentially seeing the destruction of something that's been beloved for generations for the sake of chasing you know a couple extra million dollars it's it's that, that that was a rant. That was a that was a rant that was unexpected. But like, it's very frustrating. <laughs> it's very frustrating. I feel very strongly about this. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I think we better. I think we better put an end to news and notes um, because sure. we we have a, a college football season for Penn State that could be, in spite of all these things that are happening all around it, Penn State is actually positioned to have a potentially historic season. I said it in our first preseason episode. And um, after looking at each of these uh, three units, the offense, the defense, and the special teams, you know, truthfully, I feel just as confident now as I did at the beginning of our preseason podcast that um, that we have a really possibly have something really, really special on our hands. I want to ask you, bro, after 
analyzing the team over the last three episode, what stands out to you about this team? To me, it's honestly, I'm, I'm the more I think about it and the more I hear coming out of camp, especially uh, to me, it's it. This is all about the strength of this team, which is the defense. This is this is a this is a team that has a ton of continuity on defense, and and while while we don't have any experienced quote unquote uh, captains slash leaders because we've had some move on in the offseason, Tig Brown and and PJ Mustafer when they were great leaders and they've been around for a while, it's not it's not devoid of possible you know leaders to step in, but to me it's literally about what Manny Diaz can do in his second full year and a, and his first. Full off season, by the way, with this defense, and now having a known quantity in Abdul Carter, and now having a you know known quantity at Curtis Jacobs at the um, uh, you know the the field linebacker is he's coming back to play the field linebacker yet again, and here we have coming stepping up um, is the middle linebacker. We're hearing, I personally am hearing a ton about Kalen King's twin brother, Kobe King. And he is apparently playing better than, you know, from what I'm hearing, playing better than all the linebackers out there right now. And that's just, that's like, honestly, we haven't even been talking about like a stud middle linebacker for, uh, you know, uh, what, since I guess Michael Parsons played the middle linebacker role as a freshman or, or something like that. Um, and it's just like if we have a stud middle linebacker who's who's the 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 quarterback of the defense which is what i'm hearing he knows all the protections he knows how to get everybody lined up he has you know tyler elson's been injured in the offseason and hasn't been able to kind of re overtake his um co-starter role the way they played last year but Kobe King could be the missing piece to to this linebacker core that could really unlock the true potential of the rest of this defense. You know what I mean? Like if you have three linebackers that are on the field that are dominating that second line and be able to plug the gaps, think about what the safeties and cornerbacks can do. Think about the defensive ends can do if you have to account for that middle linebacker on the offensive line. I, this defense, you know, I really am stoked to hear what and see what Manny Diaz is going to cook up, especially in this game one against West Virginia, um, you know, they, they, their, their strength of their team, I think, is going to be their offense and their offensive line. And if Manny Diaz can just totally befuddle them at every turn, it's going to be a lot of fun to see what this defense can do against West Virginia. And they're probably super hungry to stop playing their own offense at this point in time, too. <laughs> well, but, and, and apparently they've been thwarting their, their own offense way more than the offense wishes they would be, too. Yeah, which is what mostly I'm hearing about out of camp. Um, yeah, I mean, you know, you think about the Penn State defenses of the past, the truly great ones, the ones where, you know, opponents were, were not able to get anything going. I, there's something really fun about watching a very, very dominant defense. And, um, I, I agree with you. I think, um, I think this year there, there's a lot of things that are lining up that could be even better than, than last year, which was itself a really great defense. Um, I, for me, I think what stands out to me is just the, um, you know, the fact that this is a defense, excuse me, this is a team um, on offense and defense that, that brings back so much experience and the, the, the pieces that uh, are, are missing from last year, the talent that's filling them in is, is even better. I don't know how much of like a growing 
pains type of period there's going to be to kind of get those those new pieces in place, you know, particularly when you're starting a brand new quarterback in Drew Aller. But I really think that this could be a, a year where um, where Penn State exceeds expectations that are even already high because of of just how strong the team is from an experience standpoint and from a talent standpoint. That's what stands out to me. Um, you know, I I, I think. As I've said, as you're saying, like expectations, our expectations are high. Um, what are some of the key things that you think are are giving you reasons for hope that this team will exceed those expectations? Well, you know, having a lockdown corner and Kalen King, and and I'm I'm hearing that Johnny Dixon is having an incredibly impressive preseason camp. So maybe we have two lockdown corners. Um, I would you like know, that. Shout out Transfer Portal for Johnny Dixon from University yeah. of South Carolina. Um, b- um, but here, but we have, I think, the the opportunity and chance for a, a defensive line to really explode this year. Um the defensive tackles have been talking about it. They think that they they think they have some of the best the, the as a team as a the, the position group. They think they have some of the best defensive tackles in the in the country. And and it's all about going to be about how they are paired with one another to complement one another. While these defensive ends on the outside, possibly you know three you know two B not necessarily just this upcoming draft, but th- potentially three two B you know first and or second round defensive end draft picks. So Adisa Isaac could jump off the page being overshadowed by Chop Robinson and De- Deny Dennis Sutton could be maybe one of the best in the country that no one's talking about. So because yeah, he's it, playing behind Chop Robinson. <laughs> and uh, you know fifth, fifth and Adisa yeah, Isaac. Fifth year Adisa Isaac. So yeah. so I, I there's just you know when you know, it's annoying to like reference Ohio State, but when Ohio State you know is having some of the better lines in the defensive line in the country and this year I don't think is one of those years for them at least at this juncture but in years past Larry Johnson you know <laughs> former Penn State defensive line coach former father to running back great Larry Johnson Jr. he was churning out some of these lines at, at Ohio State that would you know just swarm an offensive line swarm a quarterback and and you know that's that's what it's going to take to to win national titles and win big 10 titles is causing havoc you know in the backfield and making a quarterback so um uncomfortable that they're just hearing footsteps all the time we, yeah, you think we, about um clemson the years that they were winning national championships and also georgia and alabama the years that they were you know dominant georgia still dominant like it's their d lines that's where that's where the defense starts and ends yeah, and yeah a, a dominant d line is i mean definitely that's the key to especially a when you have a quarterback uh competition happening in uh, you know, Ohio State, where they yes, haven't named one yet. I'm not saying be. that they're not going to have a good quarterback, but like while a new quarterback's getting his footing and he's going to be playing one of the, they'll be probably, well, they'll play Notre Dame before they play us. So they'll have some experience in, in playing against a good defense. But, you know, once you hit Big Ten play, this could be the best Big Ten defense that Ohio State plays, at least until Michigan. And, you know, maybe we make that new quarterback uneasy in his own crowd, you know, in the horseshoe. And what happens in the horseshoe when, when you're just constantly sacking somebody and you're you're down, you know, 14 to 17 points in the third or fourth quarter and your crowd isn't behind you and it's just yep. pins and needles. Yep, totally. How does um, a new quarterback handle that? You know, so for me, hope for the season, honestly, it's it's really and this is dangerous, but it's really 
all about Drew Aller for me. I'm really excited to see this young man uh, take the field as a starting quarterback. Uh, there was recently uh, a pretty robust uh, profile uh, done on him in the Center Daily Times, and um, gosh, it was a really, a really great um, profile. Just talking about who he is as a person, where he came from. Do you know he never st- started at the quarterback position before high school? Which That's is not uncommon, but I but I did not necessarily know that. I mean, in, a, in an era where like middle schoolers are getting offers from D one programs, like I, I I thought that was interesting, you know. Um, and uh, you know, the thing that really stood out in that particular piece was just the hard work that he puts in behind the scenes to improve himself. He's he's the kind of uh, kid who's always looking to see what he's done wrong and what he can do better and to learn from the games that he's played. Um, that kind of work mentality, uh, that workmanship, I think is really, really impressive and the kind of thing that you really need to succeed at this level. You can't just sort of, you know, rest on your natural talent. And, you know, some of the little things we've been hearing from camp, both from coaches and from players, it's clear that these guys are really, really excited about Drew Aller and being able to take the field. I really feel like they've actually kind of intentionally like put a lid on the things that they're going to say. Um, Cause I think they want the, um, the playing of Drew Aller to, to do the talking, but I'm really excited to see him get back there. The things that they're talking about are his arm talent and his arm strength. He can make all the throws. He can do the things that we've seen other great quarterbacks of the last five to 10 years do they're saying drew Aller is the kind of uh, quarterback that can do those sorts of things. And I don't want to compare them to particular people, but just we've been waiting for a quarterback like that. Honestly. I mean, since Todd Blackledge or Kerry Collins, we just haven't seen a quarterback like that. I, 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 for me, my hopes are all about what drew Aller can do with his passing game, especially with the great running game that we've got between uh Catron Allen and Nick Singleton. So Andy, your reasons for hoping Drew Aller are my reasons for concern. <laughs> so, uh, you know, you, you highlight Kerry Collins, and, and we haven't had a quarterback with that kind of arm talent since then. Um, obviously, Kerry Collins is our highest-rated draft pick ever. Um, at quarterback, that is, I mean. So, uh, but guess what, Andy? When Kerry Collins was first given the reins, it didn't look like 1994 season did. He had some bumps in the road. His his completion percentage was not great. He's thrown lots of picks. It took him time. Um, And and that was, you know, with a pretty good offensive line, I think, in his first, you know, year getting the reins. Um, So, but, so the reasons for concern for Drew Aller this year are that he doesn't have big time, you know, starting experience in any way. He had attempted, what, 60 some odd passes last year. And, that was all mop up duty. Um, and, and the timing that it takes to, we have a new center coming in, replacing juice Scruggs. All right. So a new quarterback and a new center. We have our top, what, three pass catchers, uh, left in the off season. Um, so we're breaking in, you know, we need to have three new, you know, top rated pass catchers. And we don't know who our number one is. You know, we, we, we theorize who we think the number one could be, but who's really going to step forward and be the guy that has a ton of uh, rapport in the timing, you know, game with, with Drew Aller to, for him to rely on in the clutch. I mean, yeah, I, I mean, I, I'm not going to dispute 
everything you've just said because it's it's a hundred percent true. I just I have a feeling about it. I have a feeling about it that it's it's going to turn out to be. I have a good feeling about it too. But you know he's going to have to get good, if not great, real quick. I'll tell you what my concern for the season is, and I'll just say actually have two. One is special teams. And I don't want to talk a lot about it, but just the fact but that why not? Let's talk a lot about it. I just—it's not as interesting to me because we'll, well it's find. Not as interesting it. is because there, there's we have no <laughs> no idea. Go off of. We have no idea. Off of. Um, the, I will say one thing interesting thing about the special teams, Andy, that I've learned is that our holder on kicks, uh, kick I'm assuming oh, yeah. on, on um, place kicks is number nine, Bo Prabula. Yeah. Prabula? <laughs> we'll, we'll find out. Um, but uh, so it's been a while since we've had a, a quarterback holding place kicks back there. I don't even know the last time we trick had plays, one. plays. Trick plays. Let's but do that's kind of what, that's kind of where my mind goes with that is like, of course you want to have, they've been thinking about, um, you know, ways to get Bo Prabula involved uh, if he's not going to be the starter, which no one ever thought he would be. That's a way to throw a little wrinkle here and there if you if you need a first down, um, sure. And you're not and you're not you're not sure about your place kicking, yeah. Especially, well, look. So we'll we'll find out about special teams. That's definitely a concern until we see what actually happens. But for me, the concern is the run defense. This was the big area of uh, you know failure last year, and uh, I, I'm really I I would love to see that that. Uh, defensive line has shorted up that, you know, as you're saying, like Kobe King in the middle is going to lock it down when the run game gets going that we're going to just shut it down right away. But un- until we, until we see it, I- I'm really concerned about that because we do play a couple of teams with a strong running game and with a hard nose, uh, you know, offense, they want to just shove it down your throat. I'm thinking Illinois, I'm thinking Iowa, I'm thinking of course, Michigan, even West Virginia has a strength in the run game. And so, you know, that weakness in last year's defense it could be exploited again this year, and it could keep us from having the kind of season that we really uh, would hope to have. Now, um, look, I want to I want to shift to an area that we just haven't talked about a whole lot this year, and that is James Franklin, head coach. All of this, the offense, defense, special teams, the coordinators, uh, the scheme, the recruiting, everything runs through Franklin. This is his 10th year. Look, he's got his big contract. He has continuity with his coordinators. He's got alignment with the administration, the way he's been talking about it. The, The big question, is this the year that we can see him overcoming the 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 problems that he's had in years past that this could be the year where James Franklin finally gets over the top to that elite level I'm not even talking about winning the national championship but I mean getting over the top and getting the you know the marquee wins and and making a splash getting into the top four getting into the back to the big 10 championship game is this going to be the year that we're going to see James Franklin get over the top of course, we're going to win the national title this year. Um, fifteen <laughs> <laughs> um, baby. <laughs> yeah. So there's a lot. There's a lot to unpack here with the the the, the thing that Franklin is. Um, he's always going to be measured by Joe Paterno's best. He's always going to be measured by that. Any coach in, in you know the next 50, 
20 to 50 years might be measured by Joe Paterno at its best. And Joe Paterno was not always at his his best either, by the way. Joe Paterno had four out of five losing seasons in the early 2000s. It was not great. There were there were calls to fire Joe for 20 years. Um, and, and so, so the whole, are we past fire Franklin, uh, the concept, like, I don't think that'll ever go away. Cause there'll always be people that are, that are just uh, having aversion to, to anyone who, who is not Joe Paterno. Um, but he, for me, you know, Franklin has evolved to the point where I am, tr- I am in full trust of what Franklin has done, um, what he's built, the culture he has created, the types of kids he's recruiting, um, and the, and the coordinators that he has around him. I mean, he's lost a ton of coordinators over the years, and he's still be able to pull in some of the best and still able to hire from within and still able to hire Penn State alumni in, in some off-field positions. And the whole alignment with the administration is huge, especially now that he is a tenured coach, been around for a decade. Uh, you know, it, to me, it's not a, a national title or bust situation, but if Franklin himself wants to get to be... It wants to bring a national title to Penn State. It, there's going to be a lot of DNA from this season all over a possible national title, whether it's this year or beyond. Uh, DNA from this season and how he breaks in a top-flight quarterback, how Yursich builds a top-flight offense around an elite passer with a lot of key pieces uh, that are in place with a running game and all that kind of I, I am very intrigued to see how they evolve the game plan with these new pieces this year and 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 just to see what Franklin's next evolution this year is. Because every year over the last five years or so, we have seen Franklin take a little step in a, in a in, in, you know, evolving into being a better uh, coach and involve, evolving into being a better um, CEO of the Penn State football program. Yeah, I mean, it, it is interesting. We are approaching maybe a window of opportunity between you know the. Talent. I don't like to think of it as a window of opportunity, I think, I, and I don't think Franklin thinks of it that way. Yeah, I think it's Franklin's in a in a win now mentality because every week is win is one to zero. So winning every game and every week and winning every year is is paramount. But like you know, the way Franklin's going to continue to recruit, it's not a window of now. It's 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 a it's a raising the bar. That's yep. what every year is about, is raising the bar. You know, he talks about 1% every day, get better 1% every day. That's how he's been doing it as a coach, uh, you know, from a, from what I've been observing is he's been getting, he's been getting himself better every year, 1% every day. And it shows the, the way he was in 2015 compared to the way he is, the, you know, this year. It's, he's, he's evolved since then, without a doubt. You and it's know, not like he wasn't a head coach before. He's just refining things. He's getting better. Yeah, he certainly seems to be, you know, consistently working on shoring up some of his weaknesses as well. He capitalizes some of the strengths that he brings to the table. And, um, you know, it feels like 2020 and 2021 are a whole long way away now. And um, it's, it, it doesn't even feel like it. It feels like almost like an alternate uh, universe at this point. You know, you still have the problem that you're in a division, at least for this last year, uh, with Michigan and Ohio State. Of course, next year we're bringing in two pretty strong teams in USC and Oregon. Um, Washington has been on the rise lately as well. So even though we won't necessarily be playing Ohio State and Michigan every year, it's possible that we'll be playing some other very, very difficult teams. Uh, the Big Ten is a hard conference. And uh, you know I think for this year and the 
the the the next couple of years. the The question is going to be: Can we find a way to win one or two or three games against the best teams? In the conference, looking at it this year, you know Ohio State and Michigan. You know as much as Penn State's improved, uh, Ohio State and Michigan have also improved. They've continued to you know get better in their recruiting rankings. Both of them went to the college football playoff last year. Both of them were like a hair's hair's breadth away from making it to the final. And um, so those other teams are raising the bar as well. Do, the the big question I think is you know. Can Franklin find the edge that's needed in each of those games without losing the edge that he already has in all of the other games? I, you know, it's a fascinating, I think, case study in, in, in watching a team develop uh, as Franklin has done this, as you said, over the last 10 years. Could this be a year when he comes over the crest of that hill? That, for me, is the really exciting question. For him personally, he had better do it this year. You know, like I, I, I'm not, he's not going to lose me as a fan if he goes ten and two. Like, I, like it's just it, it's stupid to think that way as a fan. In my opinion, all of college football has lost their minds with a CFP or bust mentality. Uh, but like, so, so he won't lose me as a fan. But if he wants to elevate this program, his window to elevate the program does have a significant. Um, like this season has significant bearing on his ability to elevate this program within this like window of elevation. I don't call it a window of national title. I call it a window of elevation because it's like, um, you know, with the way 2017 um, shook out, that was a window of elevation. Like if he had made the CFP in 2017, but not won a national title or even won a big 10 title for that matter, making the CFP is an elevation of where he was. Yeah. And so yeah, that, that progression has ripple effects, significant ripple effects across the board with recruiting. And that's really what, when I mean like elevation is, is he, he needs to make this, that, that's that leap from the ground floor, which is recruiting. The recruiting is, is the lifeblood of every program. He it's no surprise that Ohio state and, and Alabama and Georgia have that blue chip ratio of like 75 and above 75% and above. And that's who's constantly vying for you know conference titles and national championships are, and it begins with recruiting high level four stars and elite five stars. And Franklin, while getting really great four stars and having a couple of five stars here and there that aren't even like you know across the board consensus five stars, except for Micah, Micah Parsons for that matter, um, you know one and two. Uh, five, you know, five stars here and there can certainly help you crack the the CFP, but winning it is a totally different thing. So, so Franklin wants to win the CFP. He's got to like elevate to that top five recruiting level, and that's he does that by taking taking this five star quarterback and squeezing more out of him than what he already brings to the table. Like that's they have to squeeze the most out of Drew Aller, and, and I mean it's got a key it, to the season. But uh, it know, absolutely sure. is a key to the season. Aller Aller reaching Aller reaching above his potential in year one 
is a, you know a surefire way. It's not the only way, but it is a surefire way to 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 like elevating this program uh, in this window of elevation. Because if if they get this, rec- you know, pulling a top five class next year after a top ten class this year with Drew Aller being a you know his his second full year starting and Katron Allen and Nick Singleton and Abdul Carter all in their third years of playing significant football, you are like setting up Penn State for the future in a way that we've never seen. Well, let's not get ahead of ourselves. I will always <laughs> because we needed a, we still need to get through this season. In fact, um, we are going to bring in Joel Bettner for a special season long by the numbers. We're gonna look at some numbers through the season. Uh, we're gonna be trying to figure out what what it will look like and that's gonna go a long way toward how the season will actually turn out. So um, let's go ahead and bring Joel in for by the numbers. Not alert by the numbers. Not alert by the numbers. Not alert by the numbers. <laughs> All right, Joel. Um, glad to have you on the show again. Um, welcome back. And um, you getting excited for footballs coming this Saturday? Always excited. Got the day booked out. It's my daughter's birthday, so that's kind of her oh, present. She gets a- to watch college football with dad. <laughs> I right? hope that's a dude, present, dude. My girl Kate's Kate's birthday falls on the Michigan game. I'm like, honey, happy birthday! We get to go to the Michigan game. She's like, I don't want to go. I'm like, honey, happy birthday! You don't get to spend your birthday with me. <laughs> oh my gosh. Um, yeah, family, family, uh, being part of the Penn State fan group uh, really, really helps a lot. Um, <laughs> Um, Joel, uh, what do you have for us today with by the numbers? Well, I just want to just we're gonna put a little bow on your your preseason uh, game. And oh I, yeah, I, so right. We'll start off with with I'll just go over the questions. We went over a few of them last time, but not everything was available at that point. Uh, so that this now we've got all of the answers available for our our preseason battle between you two. two yeah, how did it turn out? I'm excited. Well. We, I asked you who would uh, have the, uh, where would Penn State be ranked in the AP before the West Virginia game? And Tom said nine. Nailed it. Andy said seven. Damn it. And Andy Damn it. takes the win. Yes. Andy cheated. You guys yeah, both I predicted that the April. SEC would have more uh, uh, teams ranked in the top five. And you're both correct there. So that's a push. I asked you. Wait, hold on. How many teams are in the top five for the SEC? There are only two. There's three. Three. LSU. LSU? Yeah. LSU's fifth. Oh my gosh. That's by the way overranked. <laughs> go, go on. Um, I asked you guys uh, where Will Levis would go in the draft. He went 33. I was wrong. Tom said four. Andy said 16. Uh, so there's point for Andy. And I uh, asked you guys if Sean Clifford would be on an NFL roster before the. Uh, West Virginia game, and you both said yes, and yes, he is. So there's another push. He's with the Packers. And then this one How far along the CDT will Tom be at the time of recording the West Virginia preview episode? Tom. Did you do the math? Did you do the about, math? About 2,000 miles. Uh, Tom predicted he'd be at 2,700. Andy, 2,042. So Andy, with, with Andy is undefeated in the preseason. Um, Tom, I like it. Tom looking looking rough. Ho- hopefully you can turn it around for the uh, for when it really counts. 
Well, this you is know, this is like preseason NFL, so the results don't actually matter for the season. It was just a it was a warm up to get that the juice is flowing. But now this is gonna this is gonna count as we go yeah. into uh, the season long numbers. And um, yeah, what, what we did last time was I asked you some uh, some questions about the West Virginia game, but the, the way this is gonna work is you're gonna win weeks at a time. Um, so you know, you'll win week one or lose week one, win week two or lose week two. Um, and at the end of the season, it is conceivable that you guys could be tied. So in this episode, what I'm going to do is I'm going to have our, our tiebreaker questions, and they're all season-long related. Love it. All right. So what will Penn State's college football playoff ranking be at the end of the regular season, not at the end of the postseason? Andy, since you, since you dominated the preseason, you get to go first now. All right. This, well, this relates strongly to this, the, the win loss <laughs> predictions for sure. Um, I, I'm going to say, I'm going to say we're ranked four. All right, Tom, do I even have to ask? Um, <laughs> third. Oh, not going with the one seed. Huh? That's a surprise. That surprises me legitimately. I, if Penn State goes undefeated, I would predict that they're in the two spot. But I'm going, I'm going for four. I, and no one ever said we were going. We this was. We just asked. We didn't say what. No, what I know. Our predictions I know. I'm just the, saying theoretically, if Penn State were to go undefeated, I don't think they would be ranked number one at the end of the season. Andy, I've well, got you locked in at a four. Tom yep. locked in at a three. Let's put it this way. Let's put it this way. If we even split those games, eleven and one, I think we'll be a top. Four team, and I think that whoever we lost to will be ranked ahead of us. That's just how that's going to go because everybody already thinks Ohio State and Michigan are better than us, so they'll just get the benefit of the doubt. Now, yesterday I saw a graphic that predicted the CFP, and it had us versus Ohio State in it, and that made me think, oh my goodness, we could potentially play Ohio State twice this upcoming year. There's a decent chance. Um, and it also made me dread the possibility that we could lose to Ohio State twice <laughs> this upcoming year, and that, because that's what the 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 graphic predicted. Um, so I'm going to ask you fellas, at the end of the postseason for this year, what do you predict our record against Ohio State will be? Um, Just for the season, the season. I'll go first. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Good. A record against Ohio State this year. At the end of the postseason. I understand. Our season record against Ohio State. The full season. The the year-long season. Gotcha. So So do you think we'll face them twice? Do you not think we'll we'll face them twice? Well, if I'm predicting that Penn State will will place third, under that assumption and prediction... Um, we would be ranked behind whoever we lost to in the regular season. And I personally do believe we'll beat Michigan at home. And um, it will be fascinating to see if Ohio State beats Michigan, how those, you know, like opponents, like how, what, what will our margin of victory against Michigan be like? And what will Ohio State's margin of victory against Michigan be like? And how will that factor into the their ranking? Because if, if Ohio State... Um, loses to Michigan worse than um you know worse than we lose to Ohio State by the way it could have a it could have a significant bearing on whether Ohio State's ranked second or fourth so i'm going to say that we do not play Ohio State 
in the CFP in in the first round. I think Ohio State will lose to Michigan worse than we lose to Ohio State. Um, and I think that they'll be fourth and we'll be third. And um, so that leaves Georgia beating Ohio State yet again. <laughs> and we will be we will only have to be one and zero against uh, Ohio State in in the in, during the season, and we'll be so we'll be zero and one against Ohio State. We'll only play them one time, and we'll be one and zero against Michigan. And they will not, and Michigan will not make the playoff. Yeah, I'm going with the exact opposite scenario. I think we're going to beat Ohio State this year in Columbus, one and zero. And Ohio State will fall short of the CFP. And if we go, if we beat them both. We're obviously going. We're going to be ranked second. <laughs> and, and in which case, I still win because I picked one higher than you, and you, you, you were dumb. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So I, if we end up playing Ohio State twice, I am going to go with whoever is closest in the wins column. Oh, gotcha. All right. Good call. So um, this is kind of the the coup de gras here. Um, what will Penn State's regular season record be? Regular season. Right. I, I'm going 11 and 1. Uh, truthfully, my heart tells me we can beat uh, every team on our schedule. That's that's what I feel that that we have the capability of doing. I I don't see that we – the safe call is to say we're going to split Ohio State and Michigan. A lot of people are saying we're still going to lose Ohio State and Michigan. I think, I think we beat Ohio State in the horseshoe. I feel that Michigan's rushing attack – will translate well to a noon kickoff and um, and they'll squeak ahead of us um, when they play us in Beaver Stadium. Um, I think we're 11 and one with a loss to Michigan and that's enough to get us into the CFP. 11 and one with a loss to Ohio State. Uh, I think you should mark who the losses are to. That could be the tiebreaker in that little segment there. So as you can hear, he Joel is logging these uh, entries right now. <laughs> yes, sir. Clickety clack. Eleven uh, one loss to Michigan. That's it. And Tom eleven one loss to Ohio State. That is correct. Uh, let me just say, I oh boy, uh, my heart my heart hurts to say that we're going to get that loss to Michigan. I, I definitely don't want it to be true. I don't, I'm not trying to, dude, I'm not trying to lose at home. We got to protect that house and we got to beat arguably the best Michigan team that Harbaugh has ever had at Michigan. And we got to, we got to beat them in our home, home turf. We got, I think, like you said, splitting Ohio state and Michigan is a step forward um, from where we've been the last few years. Um, I would love to see uh, us beat both of them and have no losses regular season. I would love to see us um, make it back to the um, Big Ten Championship. I would love to see us make it to the CFP. Any of those results um, means a step forward for Franklin. Um, it means a step forward for Penn State and a, a springboard. Could this be a magical year? I think I think it could. If a couple of those things that we were talking about, how does Drew Aller show up this year? How does the run defense show up this year? If those things exceed expectations, um, watch out. I just realized I contradicted myself in the last one, the last two, um, because I said Penn State would be third, and I said that whoever we lose to in the regular season would be um, – you know, ranked ahead of us. Even if even if Ohio State loses to Michigan, worse than we lost to Ohio State, they won't be ranked behind us because they will have beaten us. So, so I have to change it. 
I have to change the postseason, end of the year postseason. I'm going one and one against Ohio State. We're going to beat them in the CFP. Changed it before we walk away from this 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 segment. I have to I have to stick true to everything that I was you know saying from the first, the second, and third. I, I'm just thinking I'm thinking we ha- we will have to play a rematch of Ohio State in the CFP, which would be uh, I think unheard of in the CFP era. I don't think two division teams have have, had had played. I don't think two division teams have ever had to play each other in the first round before. Well, the good news is the season is all ahead of us. It's totally pristine. There is uh, there is nothing that can uh, keep any of these dreams or aspirations uh, from from happening at this point. Uh, That's all going to change in just a few days. Joel, thanks for being with us for these uh, season-long by the numbers. We'll get you back next week after the West Virginia game. Great to be here, fellas. I will uh, chat with you soon. Later, yeah, dude. Talk to you later. Bye. All right, bro. Hey, that'll do it for us. Um, want to just remind all of our listeners to please subscribe, share this podcast with your friends, write a review, give us a rating, send an email for our mailbag, and then we will have our last preseason episode which will be our look ahead for that west virginia game coming in just a few days maybe even sooner than that so uh, be on the lookout for that uh bro until then it always starts with i love you and it ends with i love you we are all right talk to you later bro later Thanks for listening to the Blue and White Brothers. Join us next time for another great episode about Penn State football. Want to make sure you don't miss an episode? Be sure to hit subscribe before you go. And if you enjoyed the show, please don't hesitate to give us a five-star review with overwhelming words of adulation and praise. 